0: Subway Sports Talk. Dan, Dan,
1: Dan, clear of the closing doors, please.
0: All right, here we go. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. SST. On Apple Podcast app, Spotify, you know what to do. Here tonight, back from the preseason action on Subway Sports Talk. Now for some midseason action. That's my
1: quarterback, Paul Marquito, What's up, brother? PD, how we doing, man? Uh, so glad I was able to pass my audition and then back <laughs> yeah. here, back here on SST. So yeah, uh, yeah, man. Great to be back.
0: Of course, you know it's tough because. It's like when football starts, it's such a rush. Me and my guy, Patty Boyle, obviously doing pretty much every single week. We're doing episodes. We're doing picks every week. So we try to stay consistent with that. And then the fall, man, it's just been wild. Trying to, trying to catch up on life. We're doing so many things that we weren't able to do over the past couple of years. And then trying to hit football and then basketball smacks you in the face. You definitely passed your audition. You probably should have been on a few times since the preseason quarterback ranking pod, which was a hit, in my opinion. Uh, but better late than never, right?
1: Yeah, no, better late than never. But yeah, you what uh you and Pat Patty Boyle, you know I listen every week. You guys are great with the picks. I know you guys are having a great year yeah. so far. Maybe not last week, but uh we'll, we'll skip that. I know it's been an interesting week, but but yeah, man, I'm really glad to get back on. I know it's been a really great start to the NFL season. Um just in terms of the quality of games, you know, just I know one thing the NFL's been getting knocked on uh, over the last couple of years has been the quality of these games, specifically the primetime games, right? I think we can count almost every primetime game from Thursday to Sunday to Monday night has been, regardless of the, the matchup, has been a nail biter. And it's been a really exciting game. And um, a lot of the the action and drama and all the storylines have certainly been from the guys that we're going to talk about tonight. So uh, with the quarterback, so I'm pr- really pumped to get back into it.
0: So 100%. And the interesting thing about the point you just made, is we have good games and bad games in general, right? And then you yeah, have you have close games which could technically fall into either bucket. And even some of the games that have been lackluster in some ways have been close. Like that Cowboys Vikings game honestly frustrated me as somebody who you know last second threw a small shekel on the Vikings just for funsies, you know, like yeah, I I, I just because you know why not right? They should beat the Dakless Cowboys or something like that. The, watching them was so frustrating. So I wouldn't call it like a good game because the Cowboys didn't play special. They played good enough to win. The Vikings played so scared to lose that I was like, God damn. But I was also 100% invested all the way through the end. And that's what they've been able to pull off this year in many facets and even some blowouts. Like, they give you reasons to watch.
1: Yeah. No, 100%. Even this past Monday night game where you're you're pulling – you're pulling your hair out as a Giants fan and just watching how bad it's like, wow, watching how bad we are, but how bad the chiefs are. And again, it came down to the last, last drive. Uh, But yeah, I think that's been really the storyline for this year, whether it's good, it's bad, it's ugly. It's, it's been pretty good quality to watch, um, you know, from a fan fan perspective. Yes. Entertaining for sure. And I know that's something that the NFL certainly has been, been getting some, some critics on the last couple of years, but, and, uh, and then obviously this past weekend, I mean, Jeez. this is why you love and hate football at the same time, especially if you're a betting man, which I know you are. So yeah. that's kind of why, why you hate the NFL this past weekend, but, yeah, uh,
0: and if you, if you kind of time travel here a few weeks back, maybe like, I forget exactly which week, maybe week three or week four, I did a small solo podcast as well, where, you know, I was basically talking about how from one week to the next, everything changes and it's so hard early in the season to really put your finger on what's true and what's not, what matters, what doesn't, what win is actually going to carry over, what loss is going to spark a comeback. Like you just don't know. And you think yeah. you're going to figure it out come week seven, eight, nine. And last week proves us that we still don't know everything. We, we hardly know stuff about the teams we trust. And the teams that we think suck, like we hardly know the full story on those teams, let alone most of the teams, which are somewhere in between that. And when I was talking about the giants on Monday on the solo Pod, and I went through a bunch of that same idea there, I was talking about all the giants issues. I was like, I'm not even gonna get started on the chiefs issues because it's just mind boggling right now. But with that all being said, we're going to try to work through some of that here through the lens of a quarterback, which we talk about quarterbacks nonstop. They are the driving force of every single team in the NFL, I'd say maybe you can argue there's a team or two that the the quarterback is not a huge swinger in one way or another. Perhaps I don't I don't know. Even even that argument is probably tough to to track down. But if you didn't catch our preseason podcast, I think it was two episodes before week one. Uh, we Paul and I did a quarterback rankings and quarterback tiers from top to bottom, from at the time Patrick Mahomes all the way down to all the rookies who we had never seen play before, and Drew Locke, who ended up not playing this year anyway. Uh, So we did that. We talked about how we look at quarterbacks, how we grade quarterbacks. We'll get back into that and tweak it a little bit for the midseason relook at uh, these quarterback tiers, and Paul will get into that in a second. And it's a great opportunity now, halfway through, to look at what we've seen over the eight weeks and now use that to project what we like and what we don't like about these quarterbacks moving forward. There's a lot of things that make sense, there's some big jumps. There's some tiered jumps that I think we're excited about. Uh, and last but not least, to, to give Paul the floor here in a second, if you don't know Paul, my guy, my quarterback in high school, Paul Barquita, football family man from top to bottom, all the way from grandpa, big-time coach, dad, quarterback, cousin quarterback, Paul Barquita, quarterback, collegiate player, the whole nine. So that's my guy, Paul, one of my best friends. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk football, talk quarterback. So, Paul, talk us through – now, halfway through the season, how we're grading these quarterbacks, what we're focusing on when making these rankings and just a little, you know, taste about how the grades can be different now than in the preseason.
1: Yeah. And again, PD, thanks again for having me on. So, so, so pumped to be back here and, and talking about this. So, yeah, the in the preseason pod. We talked about a QB rubric, right? These are the five things when evaluating quarterbacks um, that are, are really gonna make make or break where they're gonna be at in these tiers. So the first one in the in the rubric for 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 me is that two minute slash momentum test. So what does that mean? So obviously you, you touched on a little bit, quarterbacks are really the driving force behind every team, right? Now, now more than ever in the league you need to have a, I wouldn't call maybe say top tier elite guy to, to, get to win you games, but you definitely have to have a above average competent quarterback to be able to compete for a playoff spot in this league. And then obviously the, the, the higher level that you go up in the past winners of super bowls, you see obviously Tom Brady, Mahomes um, over the last couple of years, are those are the guys that are getting those types of wins. Right. So um so what the two minute and momentum test really means for me is when it comes down to the two minute drill, whether it's in this going into the half, obviously going into the end of the game. Who's the guy or does the person that we're talking about, can they consistently be able to put their team in a position to win, whether it's a touchdown, whether it's a field goal. Or even just a third down or, or second down or fourth down to, let's say, get the game punching first down to really win you that game. So that's the one thing that when I look at a quarterback, can that guy do that? I mean, as a quick example. We looked at our guy, Daniel Jones, this past Monday, and he had the opportunity to do that. And we'll get into it. He. You know, your funny word, pooped his pants, whatever. But that's a quick, quick example of of what we mean by that. And then the momentum test is something that I kind of really started coming up with recently is in any moments of the game, whether it's first quarter, the fourth quarter, doesn't matter. When a momentous type of play or time in the game happens, do you have a guy behind center that can either. Re- react or respond to momentum in a good way or a negative way. So for example, your defense comes up with a huge stop or a huge pick or a huge turnover. Can you take that momentum and drive the ball down the field and maybe not score a touchdown, but get, 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 get a field goal, or even just get a couple first downs. So that's, that's one, one way. And then the other way is let's say you yourself cause a turnover or one of your running backs or receivers fumbles, or Something happens in a negative way. Are you able to respond in a positive way to get your team to the next level? Perfect example. Again, for Monday night, the giants force a, not just a red zone end zone turnover to start the game on the road. That is a huge momentum shift to get into your favor. And what does our quarterback do? Gives Ooh. the ball right back. Talk Ooh. about momentum negative things. So yep. Those are my, that's my really number one way in, in evaluating quarterbacks is, is the two minute drill, the momentum test. They're so, so huge. Um getting into that. And then number two stats, you know, growing up, I, I never was, a, was a big stat guy. Um, I never looked at stats as the biggest thing, but now in a game of analytics and, and, and just evaluation, it, it, it is important looking at guys' stats from yards to touchdowns to interceptions to QBR, even getting more than the specific. I, I did a d- big dive into the the, the red zone numbers. Mm. Huge. So stats, I think, are, are very important when evaluating a quarterback nowadays. Um, number three would be the eye test. So this is more of your combine type of things, your arm talent, athleticism, your physical measurables. Now, more than ever, we have guys in this league that are so dynamic. Kyler Murray's Lamar Jackson's the Josh Allen's Th- those are, are things to consider when evaluating a quarterback and then four, I think a very overlooked um rubric is durability guys who can stay healthy and you see teams just again just as recently where when quarterbacks go down their teams almost fold when, when they're not playing and, and when their quarterbacks are in, it's a completely different game. So being able to stay healthy, be on the field, especially in a game now where the game is so fast and so sh- guys are so strong and such freak athletes, having the ability to stay durable um, as the leader of that team. And then number five, the system. How effective are they in their systems with their reads, their decisions, their ability to change, change plays at the line? It definitely is something to consider versus guys who are going to make the jump to tears for guys that are making the back to tears. And, um, but that's overall. So the two minute momentum test stats, eye test durability and, um, their system. So that's, yeah. that's kind of our, our rubric when evaluating these guys.
0: Yeah. And well done by you. I'll add a few points with the durability, for example, you know, you could argue that with the Seahawks being as bad as they've been without Russell Wilson, they might be able to move them up the rankings, right? Like they're so bad without him. It proves how good he is. Right. But on a Jimmy yeah. G front, where he's consistently hurt every single season and you don't care what his record is as the starting quarterback. Cause it's really good. Right. But he's so consistently not in the lineup that you move him down the ranking. So it doesn't always work the same for every quarterback. Um, and then on the system thing, one more uh, item I like to add to that is how well do they take advantage of their talent? Right. You, we talk about how uh, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill in the beginning of the season, our first episode ranking quarterbacks, we said, Hey, you can't take away from him that he has a good running game and helps him in the pass game and then give Matt Stafford a bump because he now has better wide receivers and a better offense than he's ever had. Like, you have to be fair on both sides. So that's another thing. How good are you at getting Cooper cuffed the ball? How good are you at working off the run game? Like, those things do matter because obviously football is not played in a vacuum. And when we evaluate quarterbacks, you're basically evaluating the offense and you're evaluating the entire team. To to an extent, of course, Uh, and stats one thing that I think is looked at a ton. We'll talk about it for a couple guys. Is the air yards? That's a big thing. It's a big hot topic on all the Smarty Pants podcasts where they're talking about how much are these quarterbacks pushing the ball down the field and how much successor they have. Do they have doing so? You know, Sam Darnold had a ridiculous game I talked about two weeks ago where his air yard, his completed air yards, so balls he completed. It, like actually completed to his wide receivers traveled on average less than two yards in the air. Like that's outrageous. That's not going to give Sam Darnold a bump into a next tier, Even if his completions percentage is 90%, right? That's actually a detriment at that point. Cause he's not able to open up the offense. So those yeah. are all the things we're considering. I think that's perfect. and I think it's time for us to get into it. And we're obviously going to start at the top of this thing. So you got our rubric, you got how we're looking at this. We'll obviously break down the individuals um, for, each, for each quarterback we talk about. We're going to start at the top with the tier ones, with the elite guys, down to tier two, three, and four. And I think the first place to start, and we're going to talk throughout about big movers in our tier, somebody who maybe jumped from 14 up into the top 10, or somebody who fell from 9 to 16, whatever it may be. But to start this conversation off, Paul, there's one place and one place only to start. It was unanimous that Patrick Mahomes was number one. He was the most elite. He was the golden boy of the quarterback position in the NFL. And now here going into week nine, you and I both felt comfortable to not have him at number one. And I don't think it's an overreaction. I don't think it is uh, ridiculous to say, even though it still kind of feels a little bit ridiculous for me to say, because we had to evaluate what we've seen for eight weeks so far, and there's been issues. So who do you have currently at number one? And if you want to jump down the road uh, to just give a sneak peek at where you have Mahomes, you can talk about that as well because then I'll do the same.
1: Yeah, so for the elite level, and I know I talked about this on the preseason pod, was elite to me are, I think I talked about it, Super Bowl winners, I mean, I think in the the pre I'm looking at right now, I had Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, and Wilson. I think I said it to you. What's the one thing those four guys have in common? They all have not only won, but obviously been to to multiple Super Bowls, right? So that was the, the big thing for me in the preseason. But now halfway through the year, I think the big thing for the guys in the tier one are who are the Super Bowl caliber playing quarterbacks right now? As just the last week that we just watched, who are those guys? And I'm sorry, Patrick Mahomes has not been a Super Bowl caliber playing quarterback. I, I've watched a couple games, and obviously got a full chance to watch him on Monday night. And you're telling me he looked like the number one, most elite quarterback in the league? Not just this past week, but throughout this season. I don't think so. So I know it's 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 pretty crazy. I took him out of that tier one elite court, uh, tier which, again, we could talk about, and the guy I have at number one, which, no question, he's the GOAT. He's been the GOAT for how many years? And he's still the GOAT this year, 43 years old, leading the league in yards and touchdowns. Tom Brady, number one on my list. How can you not? Defending Super Bowl chance. Forget about last week. They love losing to the Saints because it makes them get pissed off again. They lost to the Saints twice last year. Clearly, that didn't have to deal with anything. was, they went on to win the Super Bowl. But right now, substitute Mahomes for Tom Brady as, as, as my number one elite quarterback right now in the league.
0: I'm with you, Paul, and it's hard not to be. I mean, you look at those statistics, the, the simple ones like you mentioned there with yards and touchdowns, he's number one. You look at the completed air yards, he's number two. He's pushing the ball downfield. Even in a couple games without Antonio Brown, who has been – on par, if not better, than Godwin and Evans this year. They've all been awesome in their own ways, right? So even without AB, without Gronk, who's been so good for them early in the year now banged up since, he's just not missing a beat. It's off the charts every single week besides last. You just expected and saw brilliance. You can argue the Rams got his uh, number a little bit that one game. You can argue the Patriots got his number in the, in the game where – you know uh the buccaneers did end up winning 1917 but it was a monsoon it was raining it was windy all that stuff so has he been flawless absolutely not but you take away the first game of the year and you take away the last game of the year he's thrown one interception and he's thrown nearly uh 16 touchdowns to one interception in weeks 2 through 7 now last week he went four touchdowns two interceptions week 1 he went four touchdowns, two interceptions, still pretty positive days for my guy, Tommy B. So (laughs) overall the guys off the charts, he's not turning it over. Only five interceptions on the season. So far, you can't say enough. And he looks spry, man, the most crazy thing. And you know, we don't have to spend too much time on it because we've all done it for so long. He's still snapping around the pocket. There was even one play last week and the saints were making him uncomfortable and made him struggle. Right, but there was one play where he took his uh, three, four, five step drop, whatever it was, had pressure, snapped forward, and ducked under a tackle. It didn't even uh, end in a positive play for the team. But I watched it, I go, did Tom Brady just throw his? Is he going to throw his back out? Like I know a few forty-three year olds who do half the amount of maneuvering and are out for a few weeks. Like this guy is simply amazing, and it seems like he'll only get better throughout
1: this season. Pete, if I did that at 27 in, in a play football <laughs> game, I would throw my back. I mean, we played charity softball for for our boy Manny, right? And we were all hurting for two weeks. Let alone throwing him, throwing him passes. But oh no, nah, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're 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 absolutely right. I mean, I I can honestly can 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 say that what he's doing right now at this age and this high level of play is something that I think will go down not just in football history but in sports. You look at all the great things that have happened in all of our major sports from basketball, baseball, football, hockey. This run that he's been on at at this age is is simply incredible. And, yeah, there is no sign of him slowing down at all. So, yeah, we don't have to spend too much time on it because I I think it is what it is at this point. He's the GOAT, and he will continue being the GOAT until he – doesn't want to be at this point, right?
0: Yeah. And one other thing to add to him is Leonard Fournette's resurrection here of being a top-tier back again has just made his life easier. He oh yeah. Clicking on all cylinders and there's only reason to believe that they'll look even better in 4 weeks than they do now and and so on and so forth and if you talk about teams that you trust in the NFL, the Buccaneers are right there at the top of that list. And a big portion of it is due to the consistency and still electricity of Tom Brady. So the Mahomes front, though, let me segue to my portion of Patrick Mahomes because I didn't go quite as drastic as you did. And there, there's really, you know, there's a few reasons for that. I know what we've seen as of the most recent history on Mahomes is a negative game against the Giants a really negative game against the Tennessee Titans, and in not too long history, uh, a loss to the Buffalo Bills where he you know, threw as many picks as he did touchdowns, which is a rare occurrence for Patrick Mahomes. That's all true, right? But he's still top four in touchdowns thrown this year. He still has a crap ton of yards. This offense overall is still very strong. They're top ten in yards per play. They're putting points on the board more or less. You know, you have to take out a game like that loss against the Titans. Even in some of their losses, they're putting up 30. They're putting up 24. So to to say that Patrick Mahomes is not the number one quarterback in the league right now, I'm very okay with that. There are some Numbers that are a little scary with his yards per attempt and his air yards going down because defenses are just trying so damn hard to not let them be uh, him, beat them deep. So he has to start taking the shorter stuff and we can talk about how he's been struggling, why he's been struggling, but I am not ready to say that he is not a top three or four quarterback. So I have him squarely in tier one. I currently have him ranked three. What's your case as to why you dropped him out? I know you just said like, some of the reasons about the struggles against the Giants and the Titans, but what specifically is perhaps frustrating you when you watch a guy like Patrick Mahomes, where he's given us nothing but jaw-dropping moments rather than frustrations over the past couple of years?
1: And I, I love Mahomes. I'm, I'm rooting for him, and I have a 100% confidence that when, let's say, we we do a, a end of season pod on 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 the quarterbacks and where they end up, I have no doubt that he'll be back in that elite category. But again, just over this, these, these past couple of weeks, it's when you watch him, he looks like I'm not saying he doesn't look as cool, calm, collected, the type of Mahomes that we've been watching. He looks like he's, he's running around trying to do too much, which is again, then resulting in, into all these, not just interceptions, but, but missed throws. And honestly, why I, another reason why I think that he drops for me behind these other guys is the level of play from these other guys. I know to kind of get into it now, you know, after Brady, I have Roger Stafford, Josh Allen, Lamar. I mean, you can argue Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, Lamar ha- are all equally MVP type candidates. And I, in my opinion, have had a better season. I mean, Mahomes is up there in stats, but if you watch them, especially a guy like Lamar, who clearly has uh, does not have a lot of help, a lot of things to work with, and he is being Superman right now. And Josh Allen, I mean, the Bills are the favorite right now to win the win the AFC, possibly, possibly the Super Bowl, and he's the driving force behind that too. So I think it's a combination of Mahomes just not looking like himself, not looking like the cool, calm, collected quarterback that he not only is inside, but also how he should be. Like when you're the quarterback of your team, especially a team like the Chiefs, where you're struggling like this and the, the microscope is on you. You got to have that cool, calm collectiveness, even if you're not maybe on with, with your, with your routes and with your receivers and guys are dropping passes. I get that, but you could just see it in his body language. And that's something that, you know, for me is, is important to look at. You know, you want to look at a guy, like no matter where the ship is turning, whether it's positive or negative, you want to have the guy that's going to be the same way. Right. And that's one thing I always loved about Eli, no matter how bad or ugly it looked with the giants, Eli it, it was always the same. And I know. Different comparison, but I think that's really it for me with Mahomes. It's it's the combo of that, and it's it's the fact that these other guys have really just kind of been playing all world to where they deserve to be in that elite level.
0: Yeah, I like that because it's not all about Mahomes' mistakes. It's also about the you know increase of value in those other guys in that same tier who have proved themselves more through eight weeks, not just Mahomes struggling. It's the other guys earning it, which which I do agree with. And one thing to segue into our next guy that we want to talk about here. One thing Mahomes wasn't doing and started to do against the Giants, he wasn't taking the simple stuff. You know, he wasn't taking uh, the quick hitches and he wasn't hitting short out routes quickly because he kept waiting for the next best thing. He kept waiting for something greater that wasn't showing up because they were putting, you know, umbrellas over the defense, if you will. Like that's the type of defense they were playing. And you know this as yeah. a quarterback. Like it's frustrating. It's not always exciting to this throw, a stop pass, a stop pass, a hitch, an out, a quick, uh, a twilly, whatever it may be, these three-yard passes. like That's not what is going to be exciting, but it does help open up the other things in the offense. It does create space in other ways, and he wasn't doing that. He was still looking to make the big play, extend, and throw the ball downfield, and defenses were ready for it. So against the Giants early, I thought he was actually taking what they were giving to him, and it was kind of working out a little better. And then he got a little, you know, big play happy again and wanted to go deep and wanted to figure it out. And it's going to take time for him to balance those two things. To segue, though, to the guy we both have, number two, that's what I've loved most about number two here, Aaron Rodgers, who is going to miss week nine due to COVID, unfortunately, against the Chiefs, which would have been an awfully exciting game. Everyone was excited for it, so we we lose out on that. But I think Rodgers, despite hitting on his fair share of big plays to Devontae Adams, as he does, despite – you know, hitting the occasional big play to Lazard or MVS before he got hurt. Like, he was taking what the defense was giving him, and he was using Aaron Jones in the short pass game. And he hasn't had the most electric numbers, most electric moments this season, but he's shown that balance, that patience that a 30 plus year old quarterback has in his bag rather than a 24 who's beaten the world in any way he's wanted so far. So, talk about Aaron Rodgers and why he still sits top of your list at number two.
1: Yeah, well, the first thing that jumps out—I love that you said that—he hasn't had the most electrifying, hasn't had the most exciting numbers. Um, what's the Packers' record by any chance? Seven and one. Who do they just beat on Thursday? The, the undefeated, undefeated Arizona Cardinals. Without who? His best right? receiver,
0: right? Yeah, and his <laughs> sec- couple- and his second best receiver probably, and his tight end got hurt, and yeah. the defense was missing a coordinator and multiple starters, like. Yes, that's what happened.
1: And, and they still came out with a win. And that just shows you as a quarterback, as I mentioned before, I never was a big stats guy, but you know, my, as you mentioned, my grandfather, old school head coach, a win is a win. An ugly win is still a win. And that's what Aaron Rodgers has proven. Like you said, it's not exciting. It's not highlight real type of stuff, but it's the things that as quarterbacks that we do behind the scenes like changing the play, taking what the defense giving you, setting up the run game. I mean, those running backs with Dale, Dylan, that guy's a beast, man, right? Him and, and obviously Aaron Jones is a top-tier back, utilizing them, not turning the ball over, and just, again, just being cool, calm, collected, like I've mentioned. Like, Rodgers, you, you know what you're getting out of him. And he has obviously impressed me. Not it just impressed me. It's, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers. And I know the, the, the first game was, again, a fluke where they, you know, they just I guess he just was having a good summer and just like, all right, I guess I got to go play football again. And they haven't lost the game since. And he's obviously looked great. Um, but it's just it's just Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers, like you mentioned, just the, the experience obviously has the arm talent, obviously is running this system with LaFleur like it's really his. And it's just so impressive that without all these guys, he's still able to beat an undefeated team on the road on a on a Thursday night game. And yeah, man, the Packers are going to be right there when it all said and done. How can they not when you got Aaron Rodgers?
0: Yeah, and I think their big question is getting over the hump in the playoffs, right? And and kind of balancing it out then. Uh, But I couldn't agree more. I talked about throwing out game one and game eight for Tom Brady, throw out game one for for Aaron Rodgers, and he's seventeen touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. Classic. Like this guy doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't mess up. They he averages high air yards and still He averages the high air yards with also taking the dump offs. Like he actually has that perfect, beautiful balance at this point in time. We know he knows when to throw away, like all those things talk about real quick as a quarterback, our guys play the position a little bit, obviously not at the NFL level, of course, but just somebody Mm -hmm. who knew an offense and had to be the leader of an offense. The importance of like checking into a run play, like something where, you know, obviously every quarterback wants to throw deep, wants to make big plays, wants to do something crazy. What does it take to get to a point as a quarterback to just check to a run play because you know it's the right play to do?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's your job. Your job is to put your team in a position to succeed. You put your team in a position to win, right? You have to be a self, you're the leader of the team, you're the leader of the offense, you have to be selfless. And then that's, that's something that I grew up on. And obviously how I played the position. Hey man. Yeah. I would have loved to throw you a bunch of 70, 80 yard bar bombs every play. (laughs) And, you know, we've had our fair share of those, which is great, but yeah. I mean, when I look back on, on my career, you know, we think of like our sophomore year team, we had a great running game and they make you look good. The best friend of a quarterback we've heard it a thousand times is the run game. So when you have that that weapon, I literally look as a run game as just as good as an elite wide receiver. Because when it gets down to it, in the fourth quarter, you have a lead, or you're in the playoffs in, in crappy weather, having that ability to check to the run game to eventually then set you up for play action down the field, or really having to make the defense commit is it's it's you, you can't stop it. And you look at guys like like right now, what's going on in Tennessee? with Derek Henry, I know he just got hurt, but having a guy like that, like I have no problem checking to a running back play like that, even if it's just three, four yards, because that's still a positive gain clock moves in whatever situation that you're in. And you got to understand, again, that's the right play for that situation to eventually set you up for success in, in at the, in the later points. So yeah, it, it, again, it, it would be great to, to throw the bomb You get your name in the paper on TV and all that. But at the end of the day, you're, 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 you're really evaluated on wins. And if your running game is going to get you wins faster or, or more efficiently, then I'll run the ball all day. I have no problem doing that as a quarterback. So
0: especially when you get to vulture, their touchdowns on the goal line with a QB sneak.
1: There you go. I was going to, I didn't (laughs) want to bring that up, but yeah, it's the best is when, when they do all the dirty work and you get your big head in in behind the center and get it in for a touchdown. And my (laughs) name still gets in the papers. So yeah,
0: exactly. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense, honestly, right? Like, it's not pretty. It's not fun. It's not exciting. Young quarterbacks probably don't want to do it as much. And older quarterbacks just get it. They just get it. So now the interesting segue from there is the rest of tier one for both of us is littered with younger quarterbacks. Now, some of these younger, I'm doing air quotes here. Younger quarterbacks have their fair share of experience, at least for one of my elite guys. Um, One of your elite guys has a good bit of experience too, but the other guys, I don't want to spoil it. Actually, I don't want to spoil it. So, Take me through. You gave me one and two, Brady Rodgers. You already spoiled that Mahomes isn't in your tier one. He's actually at the top of your tier two right now. Sorry, yeah. So no, no, not spoiled. Not spoiled in a bad way. But we don't know who is three, four, five range for you for your tier one elite guys through uh, through eight weeks here of the season. So why don't you run through those guys and hit on any uh, main points you want to?
1: Yeah. So after Rodgers, number three. Can't believe I'm saying this, Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's a guy I had at 19 in the preseason, and to justify where That's crazy. I put him no there—no way,
0: no, no, no. You had yeah, him. You're, you're counting wrong. You had him at like 14.
1: Oh, um, I didn't see. No, you're, count, uh, you're counting. i counting the
0: more. Excel boxes <laughs> as uh, you know.
1: That's why I hate Excel or or just <laughs> doing this kind of stuff. But either way, yeah, the 13, fact that he yeah, was yeah, he was in double digits. To number three is a testament on how great Matthew Stafford has been. Guy is right behind Brady in touchdowns and yards, and rolling through with one of the best offenses in football. I mean, the Rams are, are what seven and one, t- right behind the Cardinals for for that division. And I mean, just watching him, man, it's like again, it's 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 good for him. Cause we knew he had the ability to put these types of numbers up and have this type of success with a good team. And you're actually seeing him do it. And that was the reason why I, I put him as low as I did, because I didn't know I, I I wasn't really sold. Like, is, is it, is he really that good and the teams are that bad? Or is he just average and, and he, and that's, that's the success, really his ceiling has hit, but now he's obviously showing off that, he, he really is legit through this first half of the season. So he's right behind Brady and Rogers, in my opinion, um, from all the, all the things we talk about from the stats to the, to the, uh, the, the talent and the, the two minute and momentum test. He's just been fantastic. And then right behind him, it's crazy. Like these guys are all almost neck and neck in, in this level um, behind Stafford at number four, Josh Allen. I touched on him a little bit. He is incredible really almost like the prototypical like proto you think a prototype of a quarterback right now I mean he's big he's he's fast he's athletic he's got a big arm he's accurate he, he you know just a great locker room guy like a full-out full type of quarterback you really want and you could say that about all these guys but he, he really has, has grown himself into an elite level quarterback and I, I think I mentioned before he's leading again you can argue the best team in the AFC competing for that Super Bowl championship which I think is important to understand when evaluating these elite level guys is that all, all four or five of these guys have are, are on leading the, the best teams with record wise or moving there that way. Um, and then Lamar after him at number five and Lamar, he really has been Superman this year. It's incredible to see what he's been able to do with the weapons that he has. Obviously we know he can make, or doesn't plays with have what does not have? Right. Yeah. Uh, Obviously he can make great plays with his legs and he's now again silenced the critics in the, making plays with his arm, of course. And again, I want to mix and match Josh Allen Lamar, but I think the the reason why I think I have Allen just a little bit over is the red zone, the red zone numbers, not saying Lamar is bad in the red zone, but Josh Allen has been the best red zone quarterback over the last, however many years he's been in the league. And I mean, looking at I was looking at the stats a little before. He leads in, in touchdowns inside the red zone, uh, passing touchdowns, no picks. And just watching, watching him and seeing that stat, especially as a Giants fan, knowing how bad we are in the red zone, how we are in the red zone, you really appreciate quarterbacks like that who really convert field goal type of drives into touchdowns. And that is going to be the differentiator down the stretch when you're getting to that playoff time, when you're playing up against offenses that are high powered and and, and high, high explosive offenses, you need to selling for three. Isn't, isn't going to cut it. And having a guy like Josh Allen, who is almost literally automatic in that red zone. I think that's what, what steps him above Lamar in just a very slight sense, but you can argue that any, either one of those guys could be MVPs right now. So,
0: yeah. And the MVP race is interesting because, you know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't had MVP buzz this year. Matt Stafford hasn't really had MVP buzz this year. Josh Allen has had a little Lamar's had a little, but to this point, really it's been Kyler Murray and it's been, why am I blanking on uh, who else? Oh, it was Herbert for a little bit there. Who's now dropped off a good bit. And I think one guy who's in my tier one, who I'll say right now is pretty damn close and should be in that conversation is Dak Prescott as well. So he's not in your tier one, but let's talk about the guys you had there first one thing that I loved about Matt Stafford in this season so far is it was kind of when I felt like they turned a corner, and it, it was that game where Robert Woods went silly, and Robert yeah. Woods had a hundred plus yards and got fourteen targets and whatever, and because they came out and said, "Hey, this Cooper Cup thing's been fantastic. He's off the charts. He's having a legendary type season. You know, Cooper Cup's averaging one hundred and fifteen yards a game right now, right? Like that's that's electric, but Same. that's gonna run its course at some point." Right? You can't just have one receiver going off because defenses will figure it out, slow them down. As we've seen in Kansas City, Like they're figuring out how to make life hard on Kelsey and Hill. The Rams were relying on Stafford to Cup so hard. And then all of a sudden, Robert Woods goes off. All of a sudden, Van Jefferson gets a little more consistent. Deshaun Jackson had a game or two early where he looked really good. And Tyler Higbee, now a consistent part of their offense every single week. Like Those things were important for me because the Cup thing was great, but I knew they couldn't just get all the way down the road with just that connection. And the rest of it was huge there. And Stafford's proven that he still got the big arm. He could still make all the throws and he's doing it on the big stage. And and it's exciting. He's, and realistically he's only thrown four interceptions. So for a guy who uh, was known as a big risk taker and still taking a lot of risks, he's not making the mistakes that he's made in the past, which is exciting for anybody who's looking to back the Rams and roof for Matt Stafford.
1: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely on point. I mean, I think the Rams seriously can give. I mean, however you want to look at it in the NFC, but they are definitely a, a contender to win that NFC. I mean, they just got Von Miller, so it makes that already good defense even better. <laughs> the fact that him and Aaron Donald are going to be on one defensive line is, is is insane. So, but at the end of the day, it's really going to go down to Stafford and how. Because that's that's where they were at with Jared Goff. Um, the reason they were already a Super Bowl, possibly winning built team, the thing to get them over the hump obviously was their quarterback play, and that's what they're looking at with Stafford. And from this point of the season, Pete, he he's been playing that well at, at that level, so that's why I definitely got to get him up there.
0: And their defense hasn't been good. So no. with, with all their wins, and even with the loss they have to Arizona, which is their only really you know blemish on the schedule right now, other than a few random you know closer than they should have been games, like whatever. They've been close to perfect, and the defense hasn't been a driving force in that regard. It's been it's been Matt Stafford in the offense. Um, But let's talk about some of these more guys. We got to start ripping through some more people here. So you had Stafford in tier three the first go around around fourteen. I had Stafford in tier two uh, during the preseason at number nine, I believe, if I'm counting correctly. Yeah, at number nine. So he jumped up in both of our eyes a big portion to tier one. You had, uh, now Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson in tier two, as did I, I also put Dak Prescott into tier one this time around, and I had him above Allen and Lamar. And the tough thing about Lamar, cause I love Lamar and I root for him probably as much as anybody in the league. I just, cause I just love watching him. He's so exciting. And I think he's mm-hmm. <clears throat> a really easy guy to root for though. Some people have these like, you know, takes that they're trying to still be right on, even though they've been proven wrong for four years, guys, a freaking awesome quarterback. Yeah. He's, he's just simply harder to grade. It's harder to quantify what he's doing at the quarterback position because of the rushing ability, because of, you know, what is going on with that team uh, nowadays with the, the lack of talent around him, the receivers and the running backs alike. But, <clears throat> excuse me, Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball deep with success this year, with crazy success. He has the most intended air yards per pass attempt in the league by over a yard and a half over the next person. And behind him is Baker Mayfield, who's not connecting on those very well this year. And Russell no. Wilson, who's hurt and has been good at that always, right? In that t- yep. in the same category there is Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, who's surprising there, Josh Allen, Tom Brady. like, And Lamar's above all those guys. So he's pushing the ball down the field and mixing it with uh, connecting with Mark Andrews better than ever before, with still running the ball with great efficiency and basically carrying a run game that has no business being a great run game this year because of the re- lack of running back talent and the not as strong o-line as they usually have over the past 2 seasons. So, it's hard to quantify when you take those stats cuz you can't just put his yards and touchdowns up against Tom Brady and Matt Stafford and say, "Oh, Lamar's right there" cuz it doesn't add up. But you have to take into all those things into consideration and the fact that they're sitting where they are in the standings right now is just it's just unbelievable. 5 and 2 they lost terribly to the Cincinnati Bengals but they can come back from that and they should yeah. come back from that. That was after a big time win against the Chargers I ain't worried about it. So now would you have anything else to add on those two cuz I have to move on to the next guy?
1: No, I mean it's a, the one thing I will add it's just like you're right cuz out of all those every one of these guys does something differently from each other that results in, in wins. So yeah, Lamar Jackson may not have the numbers that Brady or Stafford have but he gets the job done with his legs with the deep ball whatever it is that he's got to do to get his team to win that that's why he's so high up on that list so he may not be the more traditional way but he still gets it done at the end of the day
0: absolutely so let's talk about Dak Prescott because to me and obviously as a Giants fan it could be even more frustrating but I can't lie I can't lie Paul I've been rooting for the Cowboys a little bit this year because (laughs) because of how impressive Dak Prescott is to me I swear like I can't help it like I can't help when you're watching something, you could be a fan, in theory, of, of another team. But when you're watching and you're, without realizing, rooting for a certain player or a certain team to have successful plays and you get excited when a, a team that you're not supposed to root for hits a big three-pointer or makes a big throw down the field or makes a big hit and you're like, oh, my God, do I like, kind of like this team? And I, I've <laughs> always liked CeeDee Lamb. I, I kind of like Ezekiel Elliott as a player, as a dude. You know, I just kind of enjoy him on, on hard knocks and stuff. And Dak I've talked about for years on this podcast is just an A1 awesome guy who I think is cool, calm, collected, uh, swag, all the stuff that you want your quarterback to be. Plus now he's actually an awesome quarterback. Like he frustrates me with how impressive he is sometimes with just making the right decision. Like how often in the beginning of his career could you say, oh, Dak, little late on that pass. That wasn't a good decision by Dak. Oh, God, this run game is carrying him. You cannot even utter those sentiments anymore. He's three steps ahead of the defense. He's three steps ahead of his own teammates sometimes. Like, that's how impressive it is for me to watch Dak, and that's why I have him at number five. Am I a little crazy with how high I have him here, or can you see it? Because obviously you don't have him in tier one.
1: No, I, I, cause you know, Pete, I really, this is my toughest one, honestly, with the Mahomes going down and then, and where to put Dak. Cause yeah, I have him at number eight behind uh, Mahomes and, um, and I just, it's, you're absolutely right. As much like you said, I'm giants fan, you know, girlfriend and her family, huge cowboy fan. So, you know, they love ranking on me for being a giants fan. But I mean, dude, the Cowboys are good, man. I, after the after that Eagles game what was that, like week three, they put up like forty, I think. And it's like the way that they did it, like like you said, he, Zach was like so cool. The running game was going, CD was killing it, Amari. Like I'm like, damn, the Cowboys are gonna be a force. And then obviously they haven't lost the game um, since then. And you know, when I was putting this together, and you're, you're you may not like this, I literally almost thought about like is Dak really that good or is he really shining because of the system and, and just the the greatness around him, meaning the offensive line is back, the running game. I mean, Pollard could start on any – Zeke's obviously a top three running back. Pollard can start on any team. He's got those receivers. Mm-hmm. Kellen Moore, you can argue, is probably the best offensive coordinator in the league, play design, creativity, all that. And is Dak really just a product of all that? And then you watched this game last week against the Vikings where they almost lost. And that really stood out to be like, wow, Dak really is a valuable asset. And and he really is the glue to this Cowboys success. So that's where I had him before that game. And and like, you know, I really was trying to justify to see, can I put him up more high, higher than that into tier one? Um, But for me, man, I just still have that gut feeling where we're still, when it's going to come down to it, like, is he really going to be the guy to take that next step? Cause again, he looks great right now, but I just, out of these other guys that have, that have performed this year. And, and it's, it's, I just have him where I have him right there, but dude, it's, it's so tough. Cause he's it's, they're all, again, all these guys are almost hairs between each other. Um, but that's, that's where I'm at with Dak. I, I really think he is really grown in my eyes and, and it sucks as a giants fan that we're going to have to deal with him. Um, and, and these Cowboys for another 10 plus years. So,
0: yeah, it's going to take, uh, quite the hit in the NFL draft to have the best quarterback in the division for the Giants yeah, or the no. football team or the Eagles, because he seems to have that on absolute lock right now. That that's where yeah. he's at in the league where it's like, Hey, someone new wins the NFC East every single year. I don't know if that's going to be true for a no. couple of years, because the way he's got this thing going and the receivers he's got, and the defense being, you know, not an amazingly sound defense but a playmaking defense, they're due to just keep winning games, and they're due to beat up on teams they're supposed to beat. And clearly, what what it proved on Sunday night was Kellen Moore's impressive and the rest of that team's impressive because they weathered the storm without him, but yeah. that's not lasting. You know, Cooper Rush no. ain't going out there and winning more games or many more games for the Cowboys, you know? Like uh, That's not how it's going to go down. It's, it's Dak running that show and making it all happen. And the way people talked about him this off season, just controlling this offense is, is it pretty incredible? So let's move on to tier two officially, even though we've dabbled in that regard already. We both have Russell Wilson at the bottom of, of top of tier two right now. He's obviously still hurt. He should be back soon. Maybe we could put him in tier one, but we haven't seen him play in a couple weeks. Right. So it's kind of like a, what have you done for me lately? And even before yeah. that, you know, the offense was still solid for Seattle. They weren't, Typical Seattle. They weren't typical Russell Wilson. They were having a losing record before he got hurt, and now it's gotten a little worse. So it is what it is. I don't even want to talk about Russ. We've seen him play forever. Let's talk about Kyler Murray. We both had him at the very top. I'm sorry. Yeah, the very top of Tier 2 right now. Preseason, however, there was a little bit of a, a question mark there. How much will he continue to grow? How much can he sustain throughout a full season? And now we both say he's gone from Tier 3 to solidly in tier two and towards the top of it, neither of us, uh, Paul, put him in tier one despite being an MVP favorite. What kept Kyler out of tier one, and what do you like about him?
1: I love, and it, again, I had him at the top of tier three like in the solid category in preseason, and I knew it was a little bit of a gamble. I know I know, it's been great, you and you and Pat Boyle, uh, all back and forth on the Cardinals train all year. I oh know my you God. said you weren't the biggest <laughs> fan, but I was like, Behind Pat, I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, the Cardinals are gonna be good, like like Cliff Kingsbury. You're like, yeah I think it's gonna be too you know, wild, wild west. I'm like, I don't know, man. I think Kyler Murray's got that it factor. Um, I think for me, man, Watson, obviously, we know Kyler Murray is is dynamic as they get and his talented as they get, but I think what's really grown for him into getting into tier two is the game is starting to slow down for him. I think that's something that, you know, you don't really look at too much, but it's really the type of throws and the type of decisions he's being able to make. I mean, just little things like just, you know, going down too early before you're getting hit or taking the sack, not trying to do too much. I mean, he still obviously does that a little bit, but those little things where the game looks like it's slowing down for him, I think is is, is incredible to see, which add that on top of the talent and the ability that he has, which I think has launched him in, into the the tier two. And then obviously just another year in this offense, in the pros, you're really starting to see him play more like a quarterback. Um, reason why I didn't get him in tier one, though, I just, you know, he's still a little bit inconsistent in terms of the, the, the some of the throws. I mean, he definitely has a lot of, of not a lot, but there's a couple of times throughout the game where he does overthrow guys or had guys that are open that, you know, any of those tier one guys, you like, you know, Brady's making that throw nine times out of 10. You know, Stafford's making that throw. So those are some of the things where I think as a passer, he still needs to tighten up a little bit. I mean, dude, the guy is still incredible. And yes, definitely is an MVP candidate. I think he gets a lot of the MVP hype, honestly, because obviously the Cardinals were undefeated. They're like the best team in quote in, in the league. And he's just so exciting to watch, which I think that's what creates a lot of that MVP buzz around him. Um, but don't get me wrong. He's still a really great player, but that's where where I'm at with, with Kyler. Um, you know, right at the top of tier two, but knocking on the door, obviously a tier one.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you pretty much across the board there. Obviously, I've been a little bit tough on the Cardinals this year because I just didn't think they were a clear top of the tier team in this league. Like I didn't think they were supposed to be a top three power ranking team, a top four power ranking team. And maybe I was wrong on that, Because maybe they should have been looked at as top five, six the whole time. And I was thinking of of around 10, right? So maybe I was still a little too hard on them. But if you look back at all their victories and you look back at what they've accomplished here, there's a little bit of outcome outweighing entirety of performance here where, you know, the Minnesota Viking game is a great example. They're a missed field goal away from losing that game. How much Mm -hmm. does that change the narrative of Kyler Murray even being in the MVP conversation because he threw a couple picks in that game? Right. And they could have lost with the field goal. That was very makeable. Right. They dominated the Titans, who have been one of the better teams in the league since week like four. But the first three weeks, they were really bad or week five, whenever they lost to the Jets after that. Right. So they kind of struggled with getting going against Jacksonville. They kind of struggled with getting going against the Niners, despite it being, you know, a bit of a rainy day there in San Francisco that week. You know, like they beat up on the Texans. Like they lost to the Packers. They beat up on the Browns, who we thought were awesome in that point in time. And he had a great game, four touchdowns, no picks. But the Browns have been struggling for four weeks now. So when you think about what all happened in the moment, we thought it was awesome, spectacular, beautiful, like flawless. And you look back and you say, maybe it wasn't quite as impressive as we were making it seem, though still very impressive. And one thing I want to point out here that I've been talking to Pat about, all year long, is his running ability. What makes him special is his arm talent, his ability to extend plays, and connect on these amazing deep balls. What makes him extraordinarily special is him to add that running element into it and not just be a very, very good passer, but a dynamic touchdown scoring machine with his legs. Yeah, Paul, he hasn't sure. run for a touchdown since week three.
1: That's, yeah. that's <laughs> he,
0: he hasn't had a positive running game at all, and I'm talking about yards per attempt. He hasn't had an average of over four yards per attempt since week four. In fact, uh, from weeks five through week seven, he had 17 rushing yards on 20 attempts. Right, so that little thing that he had that was the salt on top of his uh, his steak there, right? That made him extra special. It's a great. He's a great piece. He's a great talent. But what made him extra special? Was that added factor of running the ball and scoring touchdowns and being that red zone threat? That's been kind of neutralized. And now he's banged up again. He's going into week nine, banged up. And now is the question mark. Can he stay healthy for a full 17 game season? He's kind of not doing it now. And he was forced to run the ball a little more against Green Bay because they were down and he had to do what he had to do through no touchdowns, through two, two, two interceptions. That makes me, makes me wonder what, what is the true narrative? that should have come out of weeks one through seven. Was it him being super spectacular with no flaws or him being really, really great without big-time mistakes hurting them in the win-loss column? I- I'm not sure. That's why I'm still not ready to put him in Tier 1.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And I, I kind of felt the same way, right? Because, like you said, all those games, you look back, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, they're 7-0, and but, yeah, this game against the Browns or this game against the Niners, this game against, like, Yeah, you look back on it. But at the end of the day, Pete, uh, as I've been saying, a win is a win. It could be ugly. It it could be great. And that is how you're going to be judged um, in this league. And he's obviously played well enough throughout those games. Well, well enough, maybe not the whole game, but still well enough to be able to put his team in a position to win. And and again, I think he's just been really being able to hold it together now, um, you know, stepping really into that leadership. He's not the rookie kid anymore. You know, oh, I right. think he's really yeah, he's, now that, starting, he's that dude for sure. He, he's their dude. So I think that's, that's another reason where, where you got to give him a lot of credit, but yeah, I, I definitely agree on, on the shying right before that, that tier one, but Hey, that's going to be out of all the, the narratives to, to look, look at the, the second half of this year. You know, obviously I think you look at the Mahomes and the chiefs narrative, how that's going to turn out um, definitely the Kyler and the chief and the, especially with you and Pat. Kyler and, and the Cardinals, the second half of the year, is going to be something definitely going to be excited to, to to talk about.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, he, you know, for me, even though I'm still being critical, I had him almost at the bottom of Tier 3 behind Kirk Cousins, behind Baker Mayfield, behind Matt Ryan, behind Ryan Tannehill. I'm fine with obviously putting him above that. He's earned more than that, right? But I'm not ready to put him up above Josh Allen and Dak and Lamar. Not yet. Um, all right, let's move through this and start going a little more rapid fire here because we want to talk about, the rest of the tiers here. I already have 50 minutes here. So in tier two, uh, in your tier two remaining, we have Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. In my tier two remaining, we have Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert. So a slight order difference there. Uh, But the big uh, guy who's bumped up there for us is Joe Burrow. So he's a guy who's throwing touchdowns every single week, multiple touchdowns in every game this season. Obviously, they just lost to the Jets, so a little bit of a sour taste but what have you seen from Joe Burrow and uh, let's not spend too much time here. Cause we got to keep moving.
1: Yeah. I just think as a pure passer, he can hang with those top elite guys. Obviously he's not as dynamic as Kyler or Lamar or Josh Allen, but talk about a guy who can just sit in the pocket and make all these throws. He, he is almost up there in that, that type of level. And dude, it's crazy that he's not even a full year in and he's making these types of throws and having this success so far. So Joe Burrow is a definitely going to be a, a problem over the next throughout this year and hopefully if knock on wood stay healthy. Uh, but yeah he's impressed me in 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 a lot of ways so far throughout this first half.
0: Yeah, agreed. Jamar Chase connection is legit. He spreads it around Tyler Boyd, you know T Higgins. Helps. Yeah they're that all does help. They're all getting involved. <laughs> Joe Mixon in the past game is is great and he, he figures out how to make it work. That O line gets a little better. He's going to be even better. On to Derek Carr. He's been one of the other big surprises. We both had him in that middle end of tier three, we both have him at the end of tier two. Now <clears throat> he's earned that, that regard because he's throwing the ball downfield. He's making strong decisions. Everything that we criticize Derek Carr on being dumped down King being Mr. checkdown you know, quick, get the ball, get rid of the ball as quick as humanly possible to not get hit. Like that stuff's all gone. He's pushing the ball downfield. We're not going to talk about his wide receiver. Who's no longer with the team. Uh, yeah. that, that sucks <laughs> for everybody involved. Obviously. Uh, but he's yeah. been impressive, and the team's been impressive. I don't know if I trust them to stay at the top of the AFC West, but if they don't, it probably won't be because of Derek Carr. It'll just be because of shortcomings of this roster.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I honestly was was debating on putting him in Tier 3, Tier 2, but I think what, when i look looking at him, yeah, he's 8.5 yards per attempt. He's number 5 in the league in yards, believe it or not, which I was actually pretty surprised with that. But I think the big thing, you know, it's not it's, – and this isn't in the rubric, but – the whole John Gruden situation obviously is terrible. I mean, the fact that your head coach resigned in the middle of the season for the reasons that he did, especially in this day and age. That can rip apart a team. And the one guy in that locker room you know you're going to have to look to to keep it together and keep the team pushing forward is your quarterback. And dude, we've seen it happen where pro bowl type caliber guys, situations have happened and they've they've crumbled. And the fact that Derek Carr has been able to keep it together Get two wins in a row. I know it's only two wins, but hey, they could have went zero two. They could have got blown out, and then obviously on the fortunate situation this just happened this week. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen, um, you know, this week and obviously the next coming weeks. Uh, but yeah, he's really been impressive. Um, just not only his play on the field, but his ability to keep the team together and keep moving forward. But yeah, I don't trust them too much either. But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they do do finish it out. But Carr's obviously been great, so give him credit for tier two.
0: Absolutely, and then on to Justin Herbert. We both have him at the end of Tier 2. I think it's obvious why he's not up higher than we had him uh, in the beginning, in the preseason ranking. We both had him around there. You had him at the top of Tier 3, had him at the bottom of Tier 2. He still belongs right there. His talent proves that he could be better, but he still needs more things to be figured out, and that starts with his scheme and his coaching and him being able to unlock what he does when they're playing from behind and throwing the ball all over the field. To be able to do that when they're not behind and to use that to get ahead. Like that's something we're all waiting to see with the chargers. Like when are they going to play a complete game where Herbert makes huge plays and they go up 21, nothing and it's not a last minute, you know, heroic situation or it's not a little bit more dramatic than it should be. We thought this was a new chargers team with Staley and this new system here. They're running on offense with no more Anthony Lynn, but it's been a little bit of the same. They are relying too much on, the run game, which hasn't been special on early downs. They need to unlock him. And until we see that consistently, he just can't be higher. So uh, let's move on now to tier three and let's pick a few guys each to run through quickly here. Cause our tier threes are rather big. Your tier three, Paul includes Tannehill. And this is in, in order Tannehill, Kirk cousins, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Matt Jones, James Winston, who's unfortunately out for the year, Baker Mayfield and Teddy Bridgewater. Similarly, Almost verbatim, actually. I have Tannehill, Cousins, Wentz, and then Baker, Matt Ryan. I put Baker in here twice somehow. Baker, Matt Ryan, and Mac Jones. So maybe start off with uh, with Tannehill because I'm interested in what your take is now that Derrick Henry's gone, and then we'll we'll jump to another guy or two.
1: Yeah, no, I mean Tannehill has played solid. I think that's the the right word. I mean, I think in in the preseason. Um, we had him, I'm looking at him. Yeah, he wasn't great. And I think he deserved to be there in preseason after, after the year he had the last year. But I think similar to the Mahomes situation where I ranked him, I think he got pushed out of tier two. One factor of how great these other guys have been, um, all these guys that have stepped into tier two. Um, but now, yeah, he's got the ability to really jump back into tier two. Now that Derek Henry's out, I mean, the, the Titans clearly are head and shoulders relying on, well, excuse me. The Titans are relying on Derek Henry's head and shoulders to, <laughs> to really take them through the playoffs. But now that that he's out, it's, it's going to have to be on Tannehill and, and utilize, you know, Julio Jones and, and A.J. Brown. Again, if they stay healthy, man, those are that's a deadly combo. They're almost like the similar type of guy. I mean, Julio is obviously one of the most complete receivers we've ever seen, but putting them together. Um, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see, but I mean, Tannehill has played solid so far. I mean, 10 touchdowns, seven picks, I think, um, getting the team in positions to win, but yeah, his, his that's another narrative, I think, to really look at, to see where he jumps by the end of this year.
0: Yeah. And you think about that 10 touchdown mark for Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry was on an all-time pace for yards, touches, touchdowns, the whole nine and AJ Brown's come on strong the past two weeks. There's reason to believe Tannehill's stats will look better. Um, as long as they don't crumble without the you know home run run game with Derrick yeah. Henry there, so he's one of those guys you got to keep an eye on because he could easily insert himself right back into tier two, and we might end up looking at him better at the end of this year than we would have if Henry was around, you know, taking all those touchdowns and all the glory for that Titans offense.
1: Um, or the opposite. Or the opposite. Or maybe yeah. that they crumble and then he dri- then he sucks, and it's like wow, he was really only just a product of. That Derrick Henry, it factor. 100%. it's, It's going to be interesting to see. 100%. All
0: right, Kirk Cousins, I don't want to spend any time. I kind of mentioned it already. Same thing as Justin Herbert for me. Can we try and unlock what Kirk Cousins does when they're down 14 in the third quarter? Can we get a little bit of that in the first half? They do it on the first drive all the time. I bet on Adam Thielen to score the first touchdown on Sunday night. I was like, let's go, baby. He scored that first touchdown. I saved my Sunday after going 1-4 and four on the picks with that, and I'm, I'm all hyped. I'm like, all right, this Vikings team is, is hitting. They're going to take advantage of the dakless Cowboys, and Kirk Cousins is going to have a great game. Now you look at Kirk Cousins' stats, and it's like one touchdown, no interceptions, decent amount of yards, pretty good completion percentage, and he played terrible But was it his fault? I don't know. They run the ball on first down. They run the ball on second down. They do play action on third down and throw it to the freaking fullback in the flat and go nowhere. I think I heard a number. They threw uh, to the flat behind the line of scrimmage like eight times. Like, what are you doing? Kirk Cousins is supposed to be good. He shows that he's good on many occasions and then you neuter him with the offensive scheming. So can we unlock Kirk Cousins and let him fail, bro? I don't care. Like I'd rather see him throw picks and look terrible sometimes than them not allowing him to do anything as a quarterback. So that's my Kirk Cousins rant right there. You see him in the third or fourth quarter, down 10, and he's freaking great. Throwing it all over the yard. Justin Jefferson, Thielen, Conklin, KJ Osborne, all getting involved. You see him in the first quarter in a close game, or if they have a God forbid they have a seven point lead and it's just Dalvin cook into loaded box, Dalvin cook into loaded box play action where he has no time, dump off, no yards. What are we doing here? Paul, I'm sick of it.
1: Yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's resulted in the typical Kirk cousins take where he plays great at sometimes. And then he looks like crap or bad, which ultimately brings him down to what he is. He average eight, average. And, eight. Average. eight and nine. And that's where he's at, right in the middle of the two, pack.
0: Two interceptions this this year, Paul. Let the guy yeah. make some mistakes. Like he's accurate. He throws a decent deep ball. He's got good talent. You, you gave know? him all that
1: money. You gave him all that money. Let him, yeah, open him up. I mean, you're right. I'm I'm the same in the same boat as you. So,
0: and we're still putting him at 14 or 13. Where you have him at 13, I have him 14. So mm. yeah, he's just average. He's just freaking average, and it's annoying. Mm. It's not even seemingly all his fault, is what I'm saying right now. I want to see, I think, Clint Kubiak is their offensive coordinator, Gary Kubiak's son. Yeah. Open it up, Miro. Let's get J. Jeff going early. Let's get Thielen going all game. Let's stop playing to just kind of win or play to not lose, and let's try to beat somebody. They've played dramatic games every single week this season. There's there's actually no penalty for winning by 10, you know? People (laughs) usually like it better when you win by 10 if you're rooting for the Vikings. So let's try to put some freaking... Juice on this team here. I'm, I'm done with them. Um, all right, moving on to tier th- in, into tier yeah, tier three. One guy I want to talk about is Carson Wentz. We both have him in tier three. I actually had him at the very, very top of tier four. You had him a little bit down at tier four, uh, in the preseason. We both bumped him up into that 14, 15 range. Now in tier three, other than the pick six that he threw in the end zone, when he pooped his pants against the Titans, he's been <laughs> risk averse. He's been actually getting better as the season's gone on, more comfortable. And there's reasons to believe he's not quite what he was that one year in Philly, but he's not what he was that last year in Philly either. What have you liked from Wentz this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, he he hasn't been that. But again, when he's on, he's MVP, tier one, tier two type of talent. And I know he's obviously not right there right now. But yeah, I mean, but that blunder last week with with the the pick six, he's been great, not turning the football over. But I think the biggest thing for Carson Wentz, we gotta get tip the hat on, he's been playing game, like yeah. he's actually physically on the field, which we know I think is his biggest downfall, and that was a reason for me. We talk about durability on the rubric, why I had him so so far down, and. Yeah, I mean, they were off. Another thing for him is that they were off for, what, Well, 0-3 start, or I think, what, 1-4? And then they got on a little bit of a run there, and then obviously they just lost last week. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out. Now with the Derrick Henry-Less Titans, Fighting for, for that um you know possible division or and or last minute wild card spot. But yeah, Wentz has been impressive, man. Again, he's he's been making a lot of the good throws. It looks like you know, I think Pittman just had his breakout game with him. So he's looking to really get a lot more comfortable with the offense now. So um yeah, no, happy for Carson Wentz and hopefully he can continue um you know the good play despite you know this this little blunder last week.
0: On to Mac Jones in tier three for both of us. He was one of the guys who I didn't feel great about putting him in tier three because I don't think he's been special, but then I, I couldn't bring myself to put him into the below average bucket either. So it ends up being in tier three in that average range and that solid range Baker may, I mean, sorry, Matt. Well, that's kind of a Freudian slip there. Cause he's kind of like what Baker's been, when Baker's been good, which is move the ball. Don't make mistakes, throw it to your guys. Let them do the work for you. You know, like not making mistakes, right? So Mac Jones, you have him in tier three, You have him right in that Matt Ryan zone where, you know, is he winning your games? Maybe not, but he's definitely not losing your games. So Mac Jones, best rookie quarterback so far by a good margin. What's your take on the Patriots QB?
1: Yeah. I mean, Mac Jones, it's, it's yeah. Head and shoulders, best rookie. And, you know, at first when, when we were, when we were, I was drafting up the list. I was like, Oh, he's the best quarterback just because of how bad the rest of the rookie quarterbacks have been. Right. I mean, We'll get into them, and they, they just all have equally been been bad in different ways, and that's where I think you see Mac Jones um, stand above the pack. But then, if you actually look at it, you know he's top ten in yards. Like you said, he he does all the right things, being able to to make the right throws, and just watching him this past week in, in that in that win against the the Chargers, he's really starting to look maybe not like physically look like he's a starting quarterback. Like the kid is what, 21, 22 years old, literally looks like a baby, but from the confidence, from the, the, the body language factor, him his ability to make the checks. And that's, was his strength. He was obviously, honestly, you could put at the bottom of the list in terms of the physically talented, gifted quarterbacks behind Trevor and Justin and, and uh, you know, Trey Lance and all those guys. But I think what he, what he, his strength was he's smart He's accurate and and he he knows how to win games. And there's no better freaking place to have those types of that ability than going to New England and getting with Bill and getting with McDaniels and literally almost recreating the Tom Brady wheel. And I think the more games he gets under his belt, the more help that he gets. I dude, I can see the Patriots making a sneaky wild card spot, especially with how crazy this AFC has been. Um getting down the stretch. So I, I really have been impressed with Mac Jones, especially over the last couple of weeks. weeks um, where I, I'm, 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 I'm confident that he's in that middle of the pack with, with those guys.
0: And part of his conversation too, is the system aspect of it. He doesn't yeah. have a wide receiver talent on the team. He has two tight ends where only one Hunter Henry has been, you know, to expectation. John, who hasn't been that guy, their strength is Damian Harris and the run game, right? That's their strength. So you can't really take it away from Mac Jones that Damian Harris and you know Remadre scored a couple of touchdowns Brandon Bolden scoring a couple of touchdowns Mac hasn't thrown a ton but he's taking care of business so you can't really knock him for the lack of touchdowns to this point because a lot of those other stats are still in his favor and he's doing what they ask of him and and some more so that's good on Mac Jones way above the rest but I think we kind of all could have predicted that cuz Trevor's still more impressive than Mac Jones but he has nowhere near the system that Mac Jones has, which is why Trevor is still in the below average rank, uh, even though we could see him bumping up once the Jaguars do something right, which, you know, who knows when that'll be. Um, any thoughts sure. on Baker Mayfield before we rapid fire through tier four and the below average guys?
1: Yeah, man, you know, you think that, you know, just coming off a year that he just had, gets the Browns to the playoffs for the first time in forever. You think, okay, now it's another year in the system. Stefanski has been the coach of the year. So the, this is the Browns' year to really, really take, ownership of that of that division or you know fight off the ravens for it and just looking at those games and the games that they played it's just it's it's what's his excuse he's got you can argue the best running game or the best two running back tandems i mean with pollard and zeke kareem hunt and chubb i know chubb was out the last couple weeks but and, either and way Hunt's man, out for a little bit longer too he's been out but but up before he even got hurt i'm 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 talking about, like you got the running game, you got the wide receivers. It's, you know, they, they made some, 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 some points into the offensive line. So what they're setting up Baker for success and it's just had guy. So what is it? Is is it, you know, just not being special. It's just, again, he's just been, eh. it's, it's he hasn't been doing anything out extra, extraordinary to to really separate himself. Um, and like, it's, it's, it's a shame because, you know, you, you want to root for a guy and like, you see all the guys in his draft class, you know, performing that the way that they are performing and you think as a number one pick you'd be there and he's, it's again it's not like he's in a, in a bad situation or, or not in a good system or not on a well-coached team so yeah i mean he he's down in the below of the solid average list but again and and i think he's really guys a lot a lot more to improve on from from this just past year so
0: why can't i find baker mayfield's touchdowns on this uh, league leaders list
1: no, nah, he's he's at the bottom. It's uh, he's got six touchdowns and three picks. I mean that that'll that'll oh, there it for is. You.
0: Yeah, six touchdowns. That's some Daniel Jones numbers. No offense. Yeah, and, and, and that's, Daniel, that's Daniel why Jones. I put him. <laughs> he's got yeah, seven. Man. So hey.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Mac Jones has got better better stats. He's, and then you know Jameis who I don't even have to get into Jameis. I know he's out right now, but Jamis had a pretty solid year. Twelve touchdowns, three picks. Saints are you know have a good record, even though they have the probably the best defense in the league. But that's where. But I, I don't want to disrespect Baker too much by putting him in that below average. He he's not below average. He's he can be great. He can be elite if he really really plays well. But yeah, that's where where he's at for me. So
0: yeah, and and on the Jameis front, I'm I'm, I'm right there with you on Baker. So I won't even go further. But on the Jameis front, I have him at the very top of the tier four, which obviously now it doesn't particularly matter. He's out for the year. He wasn't yeah. doing a lot of special stuff but he was doing the things, or he wasn't doing the things that bit him in the ass consistently in Tampa Bay. And that's why he should have been looked at better, or before he got hurt, better than where he was preseason. And he was there for both of us. You had him in Tier 3. I had him at the top of Tier 4, which is pretty much where I had him going in, but I felt good about him going in uh, as well. So now, on to Tier 4. There's basically one place to start here, and it's the NFC East. It's Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones. They are the... You know, they're the cover boys of the top of below average. They're, they're not the worst (laughs) quarterbacks in the league by any means. They're definitely not solid, or maybe you can argue they're solid on occasion. They're definitely not great. I should say that they are the farthest away, away from tier two, while also being very solidly at the top of tier four. So (laughs) if you want to talk about Daniel Jones first or Jalen Hurts first, I don't care. I think you have something prepared here for Daniel Jones, maybe. Uh, so take the floor and talk about our below average quarterbacks here in the NFC East who on one play do something amazing on the next play, do something amazingly bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, I, in the rankings, I had Hertz 20 and DJ right behind him at 21 and yeah, the NFC East it's, it's been uh, what, what a, what a, what a joke, what a dumpster fire. I mean, Starting with Hurts, I guess, because I I don't want to get too pissed off to start right <laughs> talking about Daniel Jones. But but Hurts, I mean, again, he's got the numbers, he's got 10 touchdowns, maybe not the best, but you know, when you watch these games, he, he's making plays. And again, he's he does some great, he does some bad. But it's funny. The Eagles, the football team, and the Giants all are almost identical images of each other where they defenses are horrible, where we thought the defenses could be better this year, especially. Washington I mean with those right. front guys in the front four you said it looked great on the pod the other day about the Giants hanging their hat is going to be an elite defense they have been a re or whatever fill in the blank where <laughs> like a negative elite defense they're one of the worst defenses in the league in terms of points allowed and and that has obviously resulted into I think in the downfalls of these teams I mean you said it great le- the other night there's a lot more wrong with not just the Giants, but the Eagles and, and Washington besides these quarterbacks. It's the defense. It's the undisciplined amount of, of penalties. I mean, you watch that game, that Thursday night, Washington Giants game. Neither team wanted to win those games. Right. Neither team wanted to win that game from, from the penalties and from the mix esse- miss execution And now it's shifting more to the Giants. That's what's been holding this team back. In, in my opinion, it's being undisciplined. It's not making the plays and honestly being out coached, not the same when someone's being out coached, but not making the sound coaching decisions. I mean, perfect example is this past Monday night, not even knowing how to manage the freaking clock and, and your timeouts. Like that's some shit. A high school coach knows how to do. And you're a professional coach in the NFL for the New York giants. So, The Giants, the Eagles, and Washington are all similar in that facets that there's a lot more problems outside the quarterback. But now, getting actually to the quarterbacks, right? Starting with Daniel Jones, you had a great point about defend. You know, people can defend Daniel Jones. He doesn't have his weapons. He doesn't have his O line. I'm sorry. Correct me if I'm being too cruel here, honestly, Pete. This is the NFL. You are the New York Giants an organization that at one point was the top of the top of class, pride, success of not just the NFL, but in sports. So do you think an excuse like not having enough weapons or having guys that are injured is, is, is tolerable? You think New England, you think the Patriots in all their Super Bowl runs have, have ever used, the, oh, we have our, our weapons are hurt. Gronk got hurt. We're done now. You think Tom Brady, if he loses Godwin or, or Evans or those guys, I know it's Tom Brady, but still Aaron Rodgers. What does Aaron Rodgers do when Devontae Adams and and, and, and Lazard and those guys go down. Okay. I got you. We're still going to win this game. Lamar Jackson. So my point is you cannot defend Daniel Jones without having these weapons, without having new weapons. If he was any good or great, he, the, despite the weapons that he has, would be able to elevate this team to where they're still able to put points on the board. And I know it may not be all his fault because I do believe Garrett has something to do with that too with scheme and play design and 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 pulling out some things out of the hat to make this make it deal with what you're doing, but it's also like Pete, it's not so like that they're they have no weapons out there. Yep. I mean, John Ross is a is a pretty good freaking player first round draft pick. He's made plays every single game that he's been out there when he gets the ball. Right. Pettis, not a terrible option, but it's not like he's incompetent. Evan Ingram has been out there every single game, and he finally did something, surprisingly. He hasn't been, Um, like,
0: dropping the ball. He just hasn't been getting targeted this year.
1: Right, so he's not even getting the ball. You had Slate in the last two weeks. He's done nothing. Tony's been in and out. It's not like he's been out the entire – so my point is is that he's had weapons to deal with, Pete, and he's still not progressing into that Tier 2 or or that Tier 3 or, of course, even the the Tier 2 and above – And it's the same narrative. He does make some throws and make some runs where you go, wow, that's exciting. And then he does things that also just, it's like, oh my God, what are you doing? So that whole body of work from this year where he's had some great moments, he's had some bad moments equal out into where he is below average, in my opinion. And, you know, I know he's got a tough deck of cards, but I'm sorry. This is New York. This is the giants this is the NFL your, your job is to go out and win football games, no matter what kind of cards that you have. And if you put any of those guys in the top tiers, I, I bet you it's a different outcome. I bet you if you put Mahomes or Lamar or, or Dak or one of these guys, it, it, it's, it's going to be a different, different outcome. It, 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 am I wrong no. for saying that? No, I agree with you completely.
0: And that's the most frustrating part for me is all the excuse making for Daniel Jones is still putting him on a path to be average. Like, if all these things were going well for the Giants, is he great? No, he's still not great. He's still no. not special. He still has three games with no passing touchdowns this year. Everyone was so excited because he was running the ball with great success earlier in the year. Well, guess what? He hasn't had a rushing touchdown since week two. He's only thrown two touchdowns in two games this year. Guys like Matt Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heinecke, consistently throwing multiple touchdowns every week. Carson Wentz doesn't have great weapons. He got, he's got Michael Pittman and Zach Paschal. Like, that's not some special group. You know what I mean? Like, there there comes to a point where the excuses may be valid in the sense of making an argument, but they're not valid in the sense of pushing Daniel Jones to a place he needs to be to be a true franchise quarterback. Seven touchdowns in eight games. Five picks in eight games. That's probably good for him, right? He had three in one game. Overall, he's not turning the ball over as much as he used to. Sure. You want to point to that as a win? Fine. Point to that as a win and be mediocre at best for the next five to 10 years.
1: Yeah. That's that's the problem. The fact that, oh, wow, he hasn't turned the ball over. Like, okay. Yeah. He's got seven, what, eight touchdowns throughout the, throughout, through eight games. And like, just, just that, that drive, the last drive of the game against the Chiefs, where, like you said, he pooped his pants. I knew in my gut. And then that's the Telman story, Pete. When you look at guys like when, When it's a two minute drill, as I told you, was like my number one thing when evaluating quarterback. Like when I watch a guy like Tom Brady in the two minute drill, you know in your gut he's taking the field down the score, right? Peyton Manning, Oh, he's going down the field and they're going to score. Dak's been doing it. Dak, he's taking it down the field and they're going to score. Aaron Rodgers, Stafford, all these guys. It's not even a thought process in your brain, in your gut. You know they're going. Not
0: even just those guys though. Let's talk about people in closer to his tier. Tannehill. You have faith he's going to move the ball. Matt Ryan. Taylor, like literally even Taylor Heineke to this point. who's made more mistakes and thrown nine interceptions this year. He's taking the risk consistently. And the one thing that really frustrates me, and this is not just about Daniel Jones and the Giants, but uh, people on their couches who love to just criticize play calling and the reason their team sucks is solely because uh, of Jason Garrett or whoever their offensive coordinator is. Like, that's not always a great excuse because we don't know. We don't understand. The, the depth and the the width of all these play calls and what's supposed to happen. And when Daniel Jones throws three yards on a third and seven, was that the specific play call? Maybe, but maybe it wasn't, right? Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, when Daniel Jones looks good, it's in spite of Jason Garrett. But when he looks no. bad, it's only because of Jason Garrett. I'm not going to take that as truth. it's not It's not the full scope of things. None of us sitting at home, understand what it what it's like to call plays, what what a play was supposed to look like when the play was actually called. We don't know. We can only assume and watch the outcomes. Like, it's just not an excuse to me to say, oh, Daniel Jones makes plays when Garrett calls good plays, but when he plays calls bad plays, he has bad plays. Like, you don't know. You don't know how it goes down. You're not, you don't understand the progressions, the reads, the, the whole nine, and you can't have it both ways. You can't say Jason Garrett sucks all the time And Daniel Jones does good sometimes in spite of him. It's not how it works because when John Ross gets open down the field or Slayton gets open down the field and we make something happen did Jason Garrett, not call that play he didn't do it. Like, yeah, do I think Jason Garrett's good? Absolutely not. I think he's bad. I don't want him to be our offensive coordinator, but I'm tired of making the excuse, and I'm afraid of the inevitable, which I think is going to happen no matter what, that we push Daniel Jones down the road, kick the tire down the road, and he's still our quarterback on a second contract, and we're paying him for no reason, and he's still just average at best.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're... uh, And we can can just say the
0: same exact things for Jalen Hurts. The running thing for Jalen Hurts is great because he actually does it consistently, and he scores touchdowns, and he gets points on the board, and it may be garbage time. But guess what? The Giants aren't the team that just dumps on uh, opposing teams in garbage time consistently. If, we, if they were, Daniel Jones wouldn't have seven touchdowns this season. right? So Jalen Hurts is at least doing something when the defenses are allowing it. right? He, he's doing something. So I, I don't know. Both these quarterbacks aren't good. They're not the answers, and that should be understood across all Giants fans, all Eagle fans. Same for Heineke with Washington fans. If we're going NFC East heavy here, they're not the answer they're not going to ever be great quarterbacks
1: no i i totally agree and i again each team has their own issues but it it definitely i'm not saying it starts at the quarterback position it starts with those three things in my opinion from being undisciplined and and the coaching and and the the misexecution but also adding in cuz again if you have a great quarterback you have an elite quarterback a lot of those things aren't happening like there's like there's no excuse for an elite level quarterback to to allow mis-execution and drop balls. And again, it happens, but it's, yeah, it's the, the, these are not the answers. And I mean, if you look at the rest of the list, there's a reason why that all these guys or these teams are obviously struggling and it's just, it's been below average quarterback play, but no better way to start in below average than the NFC East. So glad, glad we started there.
0: (laughs) So let me ask you this question uh, in kind of summation here before we, you know, start to finish up. The reason, the, what I think separates truly tier three from tier four, is is this fact here. Tier three guys have a true path, typically, to be tier two, for at least a stretch of a season, or for an entire season, uh, uh, in within their career. Right? You look at Tannehill. We thought he could be tier two. Kirk Cousins, any given week can look that good. Wentz has been that good and is kind of getting closer to being, clo- like, you know, close to that good again. Ryan was that guy for a long time. Mac Jones on a path. Baker Mayfield was there last year for stretches, right? Any of the tier four guys, you look at them. I have in there. He's debatable, whatever. Teddy Bridgewater, you're never going to see him in tier two. Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Jimmy G, Sam Darnold, Heineke, old ass Big Ben, Tua. It's really hard to imagine those guys exceeding the tier three level and becoming consistently good consistently great. That's what separates 3 from 4. Can Daniel Jones get to tier 3? Yeah. That's probably his peak. And if you want to yeah. hitch your wagon to that peak, go right ahead and I will not feel bad for you Giants fans when he's our quarterback and we're still miserable 3
1: years from now. Yeah. I mean, no, that that's that's a, that's a great take. You're right. It's it's you're looking at it right. It's it's guys that Have had enough time to prove themselves. I mean, Daniel Jones, Darnold, Jimmy G, Jared Goff, Tua, you can debate, but yeah, Tua uh, might, but still hasn't looked great. Hasn't looked great at at all. And especially with the team that they, that you would think that they were were coming into this year. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, Big Ben, his ship has sailed, Jimmy G's ship has sailed, Goff's ship has sailed, Jones yeah that like do we want a tier 3 quarterback that that's that's the thing it's yeah. it's no and then obviously the rookies are at the bottom of the list which again they're still only 8 games in or for some of them only a few like what fields is in four games or just wilson's only played four games too so so that's the mix i think it's guys that the ship has sailed in terms of their ability to grow up the tour up the the tiers and then guys who are still maybe not as as proven yet rookies first-year starters or, or 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 that so i think that's really the differentiation and you know peter it's really it's it's not upsetting or just like disappointing it's just it's it's crazy really from once you get past mac jones really or even just after mayfield that just gap from solid or good gets to, to just really just poor or again below average and yeah and it gets blown it's, open yeah and it's, and then you look at the guys at the top I know we spent a majority of our time talking about those guys which we should it's 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 light years ahead like the fact that you know you watch James, Daniel Jones every week and then you put on a game and you watch the bills and watch Josh Allen or you put on the you know the again the Packers game watch Aaron Rodgers watch Tom Brady it's it's like <laughs> like how is there how do they even play in the same league it literally looks like almost like minor league football right. compared to compared to those guys who are obviously playing at that elite level but but that's where it is man so i think it's been a, a really interesting story so far the first half of the year and i'm i'm really pumped to see how the rest of the year turns out i think there's a lot of question marks from even from the guys at the top like can kyler get into that elite level Mahomes, is he gonna get back to that elite level? I definitely think he can. Um, is Herbert gonna stay in tier two? Because if he keeps going on that path, does he go back down maybe to tier three where we had him at the beginning of the year? Um, same with Carr. So it's it's gonna be very interesting to see. And then what's out of those tier three quarterbacks maybe makes the jump to, to tier two? So I think that those are the narratives going into the rest of the second half of the year with all these quarterbacks. so
0: Yeah, and one guy I'll say who could be at the bottom of Tier 3, um, but the durability factor hurts him is Jimmy G. You know, he's a guy yeah. who, if you want to compare him to Daniel Jones, I'll, I'll have that conversation because Daniel Jones can be more electric than, than Jimmy G, for sure. We've seen it many occasions. Daniel Jones' deep ball can be great. His legs can be great. Uh, but Jimmy G's a little bit more consistent, more sound than Daniel Jones, and he has the system around him which helps boost him up. Daniel Jones doesn't have that. And most teams don't have that. So you can't rely on it. But it would, in theory, you know, if Jimmy G was healthy for the past two or three years, we would probably look at him like Kirk Cousins, like Baker Mayfield, because he's found success. And whatever he's done, whether it be spectacular or not, it's led to positive plays, positive quarters, games, and seasons. But the durability factor for Jimmy G, I think for you and I specifically, have him in the mix of that top of tier four. Where in reality he's one of those guys with durability, he was healthy for a full year. Would probably be in the middle end of tier three,
1: right? Yeah, I totally. Yeah, that was the really differentiating factor. I mean, I will take consistency ten times out of ten over electric. I could give a crap less if yeah you could throw a good deep ball or you know have the 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 best top speed out of a quarterback. I don't care. Jimmy G gets you wins. The guy made it to a freaking Super Bowl. Okay, so the guy knows how to win. I know he had a great team, great staff, but okay, listen, doesn't matter. I hate when people say that, like, oh, we had a great defense, he had a great step. Like, listen, your quarterback is still the leader of your team, and if your quarterback wasn't competent, he he wouldn't be able to get you that far. And you could argue the same about Jared Goff. Okay, I can have that conversation. But it, but I think it's a it's a different type of narrative where 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 Jared got excuse me where um, where Jimmy G is. I I totally agree. If he was a healthy guy who was consistently in the lineup, he'd be right there in the middle three. Um, but obviously, the rest of the guys in the, in that list are just yeah. It's 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 yeah. It's frustrating, certainly for. Yeah. The NFC East here, you know? Well, it's funny. I, I go into go. work and dealing with a lot of South Jersey, like Philly fans, and we just look at after every Sunday, like, here we go again. Here we yeah, are. Yeah, you guys suck. <laughs> no, you say- suck. Let's just be miserable together. Whoever thought that the Eagles and Giants fans would be miserable together, you know? You look at so. each
0: other, tilt your head sideways, smile, and go,
1: I hate uh, myself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was hoping you could play that. Uh, I had to mix in once. All right, yeah. last
0: words because we're saying goodbye. It's freaking twelve thirty at night, and we both got to go to bed. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, can you read them? Is it even worth having a take at this point in time? Or no? Like, I, what, what do you have to say about Trevor Lawrence?
1: I don't think so. I, I it's it's too early for me to tell. Um, you know what I'm what I'm hoping for, and what I can see is I think they they obviously have to invest in in the draft and free agency and trading, whatever, get some, get him some help around Um, similar to like the Joe Burrow situation, like go out and get him an elite level, number one receiver. Right. I know ETN went down, but is ETN really going to change the the Jaguar? No. I mean, yeah, he's a nice piece to the puzzle. Um,
0: James Robinson is fine at running back.
1: He's yeah. He's just as, as good, if not even maybe even better at running back, but um, no, I mean, I think it's still, still early um you know for 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 trevor to to really evaluate where he's at at the end of this year i mean obviously the whole urban meyer crap what's going to happen with him is he even going to still be their coach at the end of next year or at the end of at the end of this year i mean i don't know if that's a factor but it's something to consider i mean you, you look at all these young quarterbacks right now um you know you look at you know success like josh allen and and lamar um joe burrow who else uh you know, I think I mentioned Kyler. What's, yeah. what's the difference between those? They all have this great relationship with their coach from, from early on. Right. right? I know Herbert's got a new coach this year, but he's a, he's a different category because he's just so good. He's right. a stud. So I think that does play into a factor is, is the system that Lawrence is going to be in. Can he get enough help around him um, in year two? And then that year three, because we all know he's got the ability. He's got, you know, the highest yeah. graded oh, yeah. freaking prospect in forever. Um but yeah, you know, no, I I, I, I th- want to ask you okay. what was Luck's rookie year like? Because that's where I think I was going to have that take. Because if Andrew Luck uh, had this crazy rookie year, I don't remember if he did or not.
0: He had a crazy rookie year. He um he did, I'm right? Not mistaken. He had an eleven and five record as a rookie.
1: Right. and They went to the playoffs. I think. Yeah.
0: Eleven so and five. I, yeah. Eleven and five went to the playoffs. Twenty three touchdowns. He threw a lot of picks, but he carried them. He had seven game winning drives. And he was 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5 in his first three seasons. And now was 40 touchdowns year... in year three.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, because remember, they were comparing him. He's the best guy to come out since luck in he terms was awesome. of like, he was, he was awesome. awesome. But what was the situation? He just came from a Peyton Manning led ran team versus
0: a team that was or... defeated before he came in, though. They were like terrible. Defeated. Yeah. yeah.
1: So So he, he's in a rough situation right now. So I think it's to answer your question. I know it was a little bit of a rant, but yeah, too early for Trevor. Um, but again, he's got the ability to get into that tier one in terms of just, you know, prospects and, and his, his ability, you know, coming into this year. But it's again, as we talked about in the rubric, it's going to take more than just talent, man. Yeah. He's got to really, really put all these things together. So it's going to be interesting to see.
0: And just like it helps some of those other guys that they have good teams and systems around them. It hurts guys who don't, you know, so it's not a knock on Trevor, but if you want to sit here and just talk about the talent of quarterbacks, this is a completely different list, right? This is a completely uh-huh. different list, and you can't, It's honestly, it's nearly impossible to do that. Like, you know, we're talking about combine and stuff. Like, you know, you can't really evaluate a quarterback without considering what's going on around them. And they control a lot of what's around them, but a lot of stuff they also don't control. And I think that's one thing if somebody who's listening to this podcast, still listening after now and 30, shout out to you, um, <laughs> you, we you realize that we take into consideration and you have to take into consideration, uh, so yeah. we, we can say Trevor Lawrence is as good as Justin Herbert. We can say he's better than Ryan Tannehill, but in no right mind of ours could we say he's in the tier with them right now because it's, it's no. just not true. So
1: it's a different it's a different evaluation. So exactly. yeah,
0: all right, Paul, this has been awesomely fun as I expected as it was the first time we did it. Maybe next time we do this without just talking about quarterbacks, though, it's pretty awesome to talk about
1: quarterbacks. No, it's it's great, man. I Listen, anything talking to football, sports with you, you know, I love. It. I mean, listen, I, I it's funny. I have my bedtime reminder. That's how old I am now. That I have a, <laughs> a reminder that tells me to go to bed at 1030. Oh, and the fact that it's w- almost one o'clock on, on a school night, work night, mm. you know, uh, that's why I have this natural. Like, I can't even sit up and watch a TV show or, or movie at like 945. I'm just like. dozing off and the fact that it's almost one o'clock in the morning my girlfriend's gonna kill me you're making me look bad bro because i could stay up all night and talk football so my point (laughs) is it's 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 you know i I love doing this with you man it is really nothing more than i love doing talking football talking sports with you yeah so you know i'm here man whenever you need me on i'd love to get out with you and pat talk some talk some smack about your your takes with the cardinals i know you guys are the big pick guys but i could be a nice little contribution but absolutely
0: let's get it going Uh, right.
1: appreciate you as always.
0: Shout out to you, Subway Sports Talk. Paul Barquita and Pete Kennedy right here talking football. We'll be back with some more football next week. Picks, obviously, heading into the weekend and uh, basketball here as well. We'll have three, four weeks in the bag uh, by next week. We'll get a little basketball recap in there as well. So cheers to everybody. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you as always. Have a good day.